Welcome to Mintracks. We're usually the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons, but today we have a special edition podcast. We're very excited. We've been wanting to do something video game related for a while, and I think uh, a lot of things kind of came together very fortuitously. This week we are, of course, going to be discussing the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtracks and kind of just what a phenomenon those soundtracks kind of were, focusing probably on one and two, but also some others maybe. Um, and you know, as you know, the game is coming out a remastered and kind of redone version on, uh, I think September 4th. And, uh, we have a couple special guests that we're really excited. Obviously Jason. Hello, Jason. Hi, Matt. This is going to famously go down in history as our most fortuitous episode. It will. You're, you're a special guest too. Um, and we're also, we're super excited, uh, to have somebody that can really speak to a lot of the stuff that went on with this game and uh, the soundtracks and, and a number of things to do, do with Tony Hawk. Uh, Ralph D'Amato. Welcome, Ralph. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, for people that don't know, Ralph uh, was in various roles on Tony Hawk games all the way up to, I believe, Project 8. Yep. And and what's really cool is, um, and I, I love this because I think that the, the game industry really doesn't do a, a good enough job of documenting the history of the industry. And um, Ralph has been working on uh, a documentary that's out now. It's called uh, Pretending I'm a Superman, and uh, which, again, the title then actually ties into the soundtracks as well. But it's a documentary about the kind of creation and impact of the Tony Hawk series. Um, he's got great interviews, you know, Tony Hawk himself and a, a bunch of the, the skaters and musicians and other people uh, at Neversoft that all played a big role in that game. Um, that's available right now on Amazon, iTunes, and a lot of video on demand services. You can go to, I believe it's thpsfilm.com, uh, and that has links to all the different places where you can get it. It's really good. Uh, he sent me and Jason a screener and I, I think it's, it's awesome. It was a great watch and, and just, I think it's awesome that that was, uh, documented. So congrats. Hey, thanks. Thanks for all the kind words. Yeah, it was, uh, it's kind of a passion project of my of myself and and uh, our, my our director Ludwig Gur for for a while. So it's it's great to have it see the light of day and have have public public be able to see what we've been working on. Awesome, yeah. We encourage people to see it. Uh, we have another guest, Blake Hester, former game and former intern, a journalist. Um, welcome, Blake. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, and we have, Blake is a huge Tony Hawk fan, and um, uh, Blake actually has a couple articles I want to plug because I think they're really uh, awesome articles if you're into Tony Hawk and Neversoft more broadly. Um, he has one from Busted Teeth to Broken TVs, The Oral History of Tony Hawk's Underground. That's on usgamer.net. And another really great piece uh, on Polygon that was water skiing and running for my life with the guy behind Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And that was two days in Montana with Joel Jewett. Um, I know Ralph knows Joel. I, I know Joel and I mean, we could probably do a podcast just on Joel. Yeah. Um, yeah. he's, uh, he's a, he's one of the characters of the video game industry. Uh, one of the most memorable ones that I ever met for sure. And, and those yeah. are, uh, really cool articles. Uh, I highly encourage people to, to check those out. Thank you. So, um, we are going to, you know, obviously we're talking about the music and we've wanted to do a video game music oriented podcast. I think that this one fits our format well because it's a a licensed music soundtrack, so it had a lot of you know well known and less well known artists um and to me, it was sort of I think there was a lot going on in the culture and and you know sports and music and video games at that time that I think a lot and I'm sure Ralph, you can kind of speak to this um the Tony Hawk series tapped into a lot of things where um you know in a lot of ways, it was kind of like the skate culture of maybe the mid eighties kind of 
in the in the late '90s starting to come to like mainstream culture. There was things you know like uh, the X Games were getting you know bigger and bigger. Uh, the Vans Warp Tour, I think, was bringing you know, especially in the early days of that tour, bringing a lot of the kind of you know traditional Cali uh, punk and skate punk to the masses. You know, in you know kids in Kansas and stuff like that. And then you know Tony Hawk came along, and you know I think that soundtrack did a really good job of kind of capturing that to me that kind of iconically sort of like Southern California skater music kind of vibe. And uh, even though it had a number of different styles, a number another number of different bands, I think it really kind of spoke to that culture. Yeah, I, I you know I think skateboarding itself has been oh, very tied to the to the kind of skate uh, you know punk culture and, and and Southern California punk culture. And as it spread out, um, you know, obviously the influence of it spread out and other people started listening to other genres of music or were fans of other genres. But still at its core, I think skateboarding is, you know, embedded in, in that kind of Southern Cal skate punk um, lifestyle. And that, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. So how were you involved at all? And, in, in, you know, I know you worked on a number of different uh, Tony Hawk games, a lot of them. And were you involved at all in, in the music process? And I, just, I was always just curious, like how the selection process went, because I think one of the significant things to me that I mean, there was certainly licensed music used in video games before. Um, Tony Hawk predates, you know, what Rockstar was, started to do with the, you know, the Grand Theft Auto soundtracks. And I think that Rockstar definitely took note of that. They even had their own skating game that I believe came out the same week as Tony Hawk, which was Thrasher, um, that you know obviously didn't do as well. But I think they took note of that. And the thing that felt different to me than just like I don't know Madden football, just calling like you know, hey Sony Music, what do you want us to promote? Or you yeah, know, yeah. It, it seemed like it was actually selected by people that wanted it to have music that wasn't necessarily picked for its commercial or promotional value, but sort of like it fit. A certain culture so you talk about that process a little bit yeah sure and, and it, it it ended up being a group of us that were on the development team that were also passionate about about music that we were the the music or the soundtrack team and again it was like it was around five or six of us i was the producer that that kind of would manage the the picks that we, we would make and you know again mind you this is a way pre spotify or pre being able to go on YouTube and just find, you know, any single music track you want to find. So we were, you know, we were ripping our CDs and, and sitting around and listening to MP3s and, and just kind of making picks of what we thought was would fit, you know, playing the game alongside of, of listening, you know, these sort of listening parties that we had in our, in our music meetings, and then just really making um, a, a pick of, of the, the tracks we thought we liked that we thought would, would appeal to the audience. And it was made by you know people that were passionate about music. Everyone on the music team were were they were all really passionate about the kind of style of music that they enjoyed, uh, myself included. So we all had our favorites, but then it was it really came down to the uh, the almighty budget. You know how much you could spend on a particular soundtrack for a particular game, and and that increased over time. The last game that I worked on, which was Project Eight. It was about a half a million dollars for our soundtrack budget, but we had, I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say somewhere in the, in the high seventies, low eighties, as far as, as music, genre, as far as track. So we were appealing to a lot of different genres after, after that point, but the, the soundtracks were definitely picked by, by people that were passionate about specific genres of music on the team. 
Um, you know, I think it definitely, I think for a lot of people, you know, kind of exposed them to maybe things that they hadn't heard. Um, I'm curious, maybe uh, Blake and, and also Jason, just, you know, kind of coming up and growing up with these games, like, could you talk a little bit about, did that, did, were they sort of influential and in, in maybe opening you guys up to new things or exposing you to things that you hadn't heard before? Yeah, for, for me, I, and I've talked about this in a couple places, but like Tony Hawk's Underground specifically, it feels like crazy to say but like changed my life and it in a lot of ways comes down to that game soundtrack because i was like i want to say nine when i played that game and Jesus. being a kid that's that can't be true yeah <laughs> sorry i was 29 well, when i played side, that yeah. game yeah thank you thank yeah, you yeah but yeah. i had <laughs> i'd never heard music before but um i i played that game and like being a kid in suburban kentucky like I was introduced to bands that like made such a profound impact on my life. Like my favorite band of all time is Alkaline Trio and Armageddon is in Tony Hawk's Underground. That's yeah. the first place I heard it. And hearing New Noise by Refused and then growing up yeah. and learning about the shape of punk to come. That was huge, you know, and hearing something like The World Is Yours from Illmatic or Impetus by Clutch off the Impetus EP, like you know, when you're nine years old in Kentucky, that stuff is not what you're hearing every day. So for being Absolutely. a kid, like that opened my eyes to punk, rap, hardcore, metalcore, like all stoner metal, southern rock, all this stuff. Um, I, I yeah, I can't understate what the that game. I mean, the series in general, but that game specifically like meant to my tastes and like what I was interested in growing up. Yeah, no, and that's a great point, too, is that, you know, it definitely had a punk focus. But to me, I, I think one of the, the cool things about, I just think Southern California culture in general is it, it's always such a melting pot. You know what I mean? Even going back to the days, you know, the, the 80s, you had, you know, you had hardcore, but then you had, you know, stuff like NWA that was coming up mm-hmm. and then bands like, you know, Faith No More, Jane's Addiction and, and, and bands that were kind of merging different styles. Some bands that were like, you know, Chili Peppers and Faith No More that were starting to take like, you know hip-hop cues and things like that so it was always kind of in and thrash a lot of heart you know suicidal um dri and the bands that were kind of merging like thrash metal and punk and so i think i think that's a great thing about these soundtracks is they reflect something that i've always kind of admired about um southern california because i think that i think there's just a lot of people a lot of different groups that mix in like la and uh i think that's reflected that actually, I mean, that's that made it somewhat for the soundtrack picking that as it as the influence grew and grew, it made it a little bit more difficult for us because we had to appeal to a lot more. You know, we couldn't just put a bunch of ska, you know, SoCal ska punk bands on the soundtrack. It had to it had to keep on growing and growing until you know you had a, a bunch of different music genres that were represented. And and you know, as as the game grew and grew, and and these soundtracks just became pretty huge just on uh, of themselves uh, and the, the licensing process, you know, once, once we made the picks, it went back over to Activision and we worked with Activision music supervisors over there. Generally Tim, a guy named Tim Riley, who would work with all the different, all the different um, licensees and try to get this stuff done, which it was even, you know, just because we picked things didn't mean it was going to happen. Um, you know, it was, it was still a long road after we, after it went down on the music sheet and from that point for it to get in the game for sure. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think it did. I'm, as you're looking at the Thug soundtrack right now on my phone, it's like it's an amazing <laughs> yeah. like, mix. Yeah, I was I mean, like, you, have, you have a lot of bands that like like Mastodon before they were really you know like a super popular metal band. So you and I even noticed you have a band called the Midnight Evils, which were from Minneapolis, and I don't think they ever played clubs more than like 200 people or something. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, I mean, really that was deep. that was part of the the idea of if we got bands that would send us or i know mastodon was a, a, a character artist nolan nelson he was a big mastodon fan and that, he was part of the music uh group and that was his pick and and the other one might be as well but if we got songs from or you know cds from bands just random independent bands and we could we could do gratis licenses it was sort of a no-brainer if it fit we liked it and it was free it just kind of fattened up our our music library i mean I put one of my bands, I put one of our tracks in Thug 2, you know, and we had a couple other people that, that had bands in the office and we put, we stuck their, their tracks in. So we would try to fatten it up as, as much as we could. What was your band? Dead End Road, Sin City and, and Thug 2. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like one of those, we had, I, my band had this, you know, we're just kind of, and we still play today, uh, although we don't, we don't play right now. We haven't played for a while, but um, we still we still get a decent hits on Spotify just because we're kind of wrapped up in the, in the whole music, you know, and all the, the playlists that, that come through Spotify, we get, we get, you know, 20,000, 30,000 plays a, a month because of it. It's, it's kind of crazy for a no name Southern California. Now we're, now we're a cover band. We play covers at, at bars and so forth, but you know, we, we threw it through one of our tracks in and, yeah, it, it was always cool to get to get indie indie bands that, that threw us really cool tracks that fit, and it beefed up our our soundtrack. That's awesome. Well, why don't we get into the music a little bit? Let's let's play something. I guess I'm, I'm just gonna pull this one out because to me it's kind of like the song. I mean, a it's one of the I think most iconic kind of U.S. punk songs ever. Um, and two, it's kind of what I hear in my head. I guess when I think of the first Tony Hawk game, which is Police Truck mm-hmm. by Dead Kennedys, um, you know, obviously the, one of the classic punk bands in American history. So um, let's hear that. It's a, I mean, obviously it's a great song, um, and kind of a punk classic. Uh, we're, I, one thing I was curious about is that you know, I mean, sadly, I mean the lyrics are are still, I think, very provocative and relevant today. Um, were you guys worried, you know, because that song is definitely more political in in a sense, uh, and not just in a sense, it's more political um, than you might a- a- 
usually getting like a video game license soundtrack. Was there any worry about like with some of the songs in terms of like content or, or you know, a pushback there? No, not not really. I mean, at that time we were still we were still kind of flying so low under the bar that like under the radar that nobody active like the, this video game wasn't supposed to be this major hit. It was just supposed to be a a you know a, a nice little video game. Hopefully, it makes it its money back. So we were just trying to represent skateboarding as 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 best we could. And and if you know if. If it was any of the tracks, it wasn't. It probably wasn't this track. It would have been, you know, something from Suicidal Tendencies. <laughs> Psycho <Yeah>. Vision <laughs> was a little bit, a little bit more severe than than this. But um, yeah, no, we just kind of went for it, and it was a little bit more open back then too, for sure. Yeah. Well, we should let's listen to Suicidal because I mean I thought it was great. I mean I guess if there's a band that you could kind of say like maybe personifies skate punk. Um, they definitely be at the top of that, mm-hmm. I think, you know, from the kind of traditional like 80s sense, you know, maybe like JFA or bands like that, too. But um, so, yeah, Psycho Vision, you know, Mike Muir, Suicidal. Don't mess with them. No. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably like low key, the scariest band like in music off off stage, I think. Um, but yeah, Psycho Vision, this is a, this is, you know, just classic like hardcore. This, this song taps into something primal in me where for years I was convinced because I didn't have reliable internet access. I was convinced he was saying psycho bitches uh, <laughs> and, so I a, and I cannot let that go. I have a good story for you then. So we, um, and I don't even know, if I, wow, whatever, it's so many years ago. We got inundated by this mom who thought the same thing you did, that it said psycho bitch. <laughs> oh, no. And we started getting email from this mom, and she was going to sue, and she was going to go to Activision until I, I, you know, I actually, I did the worst thing possible, which was engage with her and send her the lyrics. And she didn't care what the lyrics were. She heard it said psycho, die, die, psycho bitches. And, uh... Yeah, she made all kinds of noise in in the in the halls of Activision and never stopped. At least, <laughs> at least through a few different emails. Wow, did it come to anything? No, not that I can, not that I ever heard of. I think I think it was one of those things where if you just kind of don't reply and don't give it any more attention because the lyrics aren't "die die psycho bitches." <laughs> those, are, <laughs> those are clearly not the lyrics. Um, I think it kind of it cleared itself up pretty quick <laughs> yeah i i can hear it i mean i guess i always i, I always knew the the song so um, yeah but, well like put yourself in again yeah, no, i mean I hear I, you, I hear you. You, you think blake's old i was not born yet by the time this game came out so uh, <laughs> yeah. i'm actually 13 right <laughs> yeah. now wow um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as a kid as a kid uh tony hawk games i played in bits and pieces like actually weirdly it was i wasn't allowed to play it at home but it was at church in like the youth area so oh, wow. uh oh, with wow. blood on all the time yeah it was the weirdest uh, thing yeah, with blood on. <laughs> right right so uh well you know sacrament and all that you got uh, the christ there and the game yeah, exactly the yeah <laughs> uh but it meant that like 
I sort of view the games and the music they were attached to uh, as almost like maybe it's a crude comparison, but almost like like porn where like I can't let any aspect of this infiltrate any aspect of my real life because then somebody will know. Yeah, Somebody will know that I listened to off. this music that I, and it was just the, the most punk I've ever felt was yeah, listening yeah. to this music. And like, so I never dared find the, out the lyrics. I never, like, I just decided that it was going to be the most crude interpretation of what I, of what I was hearing. So it's funny to know that I guess suburban moms have the yeah, exact same exactly. thoughts. And you know, truth be told, we're, we're, you know, the whole, the whole game and all the music, all the tracks were on, were pressed onto a CD back then. So those tracks were compressed to, you know, to hell, all hell, you know, they were, okay, so, yeah. you know, you're not listening to it as clear as you're hearing today on a digital sound system with some nice headphones and you're listening to uh, fully compressed coming through a video game system over your TV speakers. So who knows what you could, you could pretty much hear whatever you wanted to hear, <laughs> but that was yeah. kind of a funny, funny uh, coincidence that you, you kind of heard the same thing. This, this, this <laughs> God, moment. I love that. Yeah. Jason, that was Jason's mom, actually. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe yeah, maybe it was your yeah. mom. If it came, if it came from rural <laughs> Michigan, yeah, it was definitely. <laughs> I don't um, quite recall. I could probably pull it up. I think I have all the old emails <laughs> kicking around. Man, you got to get those to me. <laughs> no I, uh, I think for me, like having a band like the Suicidal Tendencies on a game soundtrack shows in a way that this game isn't bullshitting its players, like. Like, there's definitely a world where a different publisher and different developer got the license to Tony Hawk's name and you listen to, like, 17 Bowling for Soup songs on the soundtrack. (laughs) And that passed as, like, punk rock, which I I don't have any beef with Bowling for Soup. But you know what I mean? Like, hearing something like Suicidal Tendencies, which is, like, such an OG hardcore band, it, it, it puts these games in a similar pantheon is like thrasher magazine or big brother magazines or big brother cassettes like these things that were true to the culture they were you know honoring but also great teaching material for kids like me or jason you know where we're hearing hardcore for the first time because like we have an n64 or have a playstation one yeah absolutely no i think that's i think that's absolutely part of the the legacy of these games um, I think Blake and Jason, I want to get, you know, some, maybe a few of your takes and then uh, Ralph, if you have any kind of sleepers that you like, but I feel like just because, you know, you obviously titled uh, your film about the games based on this song. Um, what, I guess, what is it about gold? And I, I think this and police truck are probably two that sort of, I think when people hear them, they think of Tony Hawk in their heads, you know, yeah. um, Superman by Goldfinger. Why did you choose that as the, uh, the title? And, and I guess, what was it about that song that kind of stuck out to you yeah, in, I mean, in terms of Tony Hawk? For me, it, it, it was really the epitome of, of Tony Hawk songs. Um, it, and again, it was, is a toss up between this and police truck. And thankfully we, we've got both of them in, in the film, which was, which was cool to, to actually have the, the license, you know, the same, the same music in the game in the film. But the other thing, like I, I was just sort of when I, I was just kind of thinking about how, how, what we might call the film and, the whole pretending I'm a Superman kind of in my head just sort of correlated with what kids were doing in the video game. They were playing the video game, pretending they were Tony Hawk. They were pretending they were doing all these, these amazing tricks and they were pretending they were Superman. So that, when I, when that kind of image kind of stuck in my head, it was sort of a no brainer. And then from there, they were pretty much the first band I reached out to, to, to ask. And they were, 
they were super appreciative and, and very easy to work with, um, for sure, throughout the entire process. So it was sort of, uh, you know, it was meant to be, I guess. Well, well let's hear a bit of it, because yeah. this one really brings me back to playing probably more than any. Yeah. number of reasons why this song stuck with people why it became so emblematic of this game and generally the series it, like what's the secret there yeah, i don't know i think it's got a good hook i think the song itself the structure of the song is just it's got a really good hook and the message and i, I don't know that's what it is for me and the, the whole ska vibe of it is just kind of on point and they're just such a tight band I don't know if you guys saw they they redid this during the COVID um, shutdown stuff. If you if you follow them at all, and even, oh no, yeah, they redid this track and they they've got a video on YouTube. You should check it out. Go to I mean, if you just Google it, I'm sure if you go to YouTube and look it up, they it is amazing. I mean, the, the remake is if you put them side by side, it's it's hard to see. You know, it's hard to, to say which is the original, which is the the new one, but. Yeah, they're just a great band. I mean, Feldy's just an amazing frontman too. Yeah, and I think it's just that that sky kind of you know the emphasis on the two and four just is kind of you know I don't know has a certain movement to it. You yeah. know what I mean? That kind of yeah. fits with skating. Maybe um, I, I'm con- uh, curious, Ralph. Were there any kind of like sleeper ones on this that you know you were you really liked that were from you know some of the less popular bands or, or more obscure bands on the soundtrack or just other ones, you know, that are on the soundtrack we haven't talked about. You know, I mean, there, there were like Cyclone by the dub dub pistols is one that I always think is another one of those songs. That's a total Tony Hawk song that I would probably never have listened to had it not been for people um, in the music group, throwing that out as a, as a pick. And, and that that's definitely something that, that is out of my, out of what I would pick out of my, my kind of personal genre of music that I listen to or, or a lot of the, the hip hop for that matter. So 
Yeah, there are always little surprises, and it was actually even surprising what what would be hits and what what resounded with the audience. And they're like, "Whoa, they put that on!" And it was like, "Whoa, wow that that track was very inexpensive." I would have I would gladly have put known if it would have made that much of an impact. We would have put like that track on no problem, you know. So it was always kind of funny to see what what really hit with the audience. Did you have, were you forced into making a lot of decisions based on, especially in the early ones when I'm assuming the budgets were a lot less? Was that sort of part of the whole puzzle, I would imagine? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's always, it always is. You don't have an unlimited budget and it, it, it some tracks for, you know, fortunate for me, punk, uh, which is the genre, one of the genres that I was really behind punk is fairly inexpensive. Um, th- that music is just licensed and to get it done is fairly easy. But like hip hop tracks, for instance, from up and coming artists were just ridiculously expensive. So it, it, you know, there was there was always a you always had that ceiling of what you could spend and you tried to fill in and and make a a soundtrack that appealed to as wide of an audience because skateboarding as it as it got as the reach got further and further, you had just a ton of different influence, a ton of different music influence that that was out there. So you. We were trying to capture that in the video game. And then, you know, then once we also, when we started kicking in stories, you wanted music that would drive and, and work with the story. And, and so you, you had, you had like, you know, Frank Sinatra track or, um, you know, just different eclectic music. We, we put the doors in there and, and different kind of sounds, you know, different tracks that you wouldn't really expect. Um, you know, Johnny Cash, for instance. Do you remember what the most expensive track was it was on the first one? I, you know, to my recollection, it was probably the, um, I think it was Back in Black, the ACDC track. Um, and I want to say it was like 30, 30 grand, 30 grand. A, it was either 15 grand a side or 30 grand a side, somewhere in that neighborhood. It was a decent, it was a decent clip for that track for sure. But it was well worth it. I mean, it's ACDC. Come on. Yeah. Well, they don't, they don't work for cheap. No. <laughs> Nor should they. <laughs> no, no. I mean, hey, they, they're, yeah. they're legends. Yeah. Um, I guess Jason uh, uh, and Blake, do you guys have any songs, you know, that listening to it this week kind of stuck out to you? From the first two games? Yeah. Um, I Honestly, the two I brought with me were Police Truck and Psycho Vision. So <laughs> I guess I like... I, I will uh, pass right now and just reiterate everything we said earlier because those okay. were like the two songs I did want to talk about specific or especially suicidal tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. Jason. Uh, so I a lot of these, you know, had sort of slightly faded from memory. And then it's like the Inception moment of just ha- I actually don't remember what Inception is about. So it's probably not the Inception moment, but just having that like mind trigger on like where you were in your life when you first heard this song uh the song that i've come to appreciate from listening to it more recently uh is one that i actually did not remember hearing uh but it's on the very first soundtrack it's called pin the tail on the donkey by naughty by nature and like this is a perfect song for once you get into that flow state of uh, of of a tony hawk run where like you know goldfinger and uh and suicidal tendencies can get you like really pumped get you amped this is just for like drop the bullshit i'm just gonna like hit the hardest longest combo i can and just like i need i need a good beat it's just like drop the yeah. beat type track uh so that's i really came to appreciate pin the tail on the donkey as we were uh, while i was getting ready for this episode yeah that's a great that's a great track and i, yeah. I just want to shout out because i think naughty is one of those artists that's kind of perceived as more about like a one or two hit wonder with like opp 
and Hip Hop Parade, but like their their early albums, like their first three albums are all really good records. I mean, they're they were a great rap group, so that was kind of cool to hear. I hadn't heard like a, a kind of album track from you know Naughty by Nature for a long time. That was a good one. One yeah. I wanted to shout out that I I, uh, I don't know, just sort of like as the '90s get farther away, just hearing Primus, like it kind of boggles my mind that like some of the bands that got to be actually like fairly large and popular bands in the 1990s were just like, it just seems absurd that a band like Primus was, you know, really popular because it's just like, they're such a strange band. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, just with this kind of like weird hiccuping kind of bass stuff. And then almost like a guy playing just like atonal guitar over it. And, (laughs) you know, a guy that sounds kind of like a, a, you know, a meth head auctioneer or something talking over it. It's just like, it's just like they were like a big band, you know, it's like P- platinum records, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a good one. Another one I wanted to just call out uh, is Unsane, which are like super loud, super nasty band. I like that song. And I want, and Unsane also has a cool tie to um, skate culture. Uh, look up Unsane Scraped or just Unsane Skate Video. They have this video that was like super popular back in the day. That's just, the whole video is just, insanely bad wipeouts and painful like dudes breaking ankles and stuff like for four minutes straight it's it's really an amazing video that that was kind of like an i just remember being people like you know telling you to like watch that and stuff back in the day i've got i've got to fact check myself it wasn't it wasn't t it was it wasn't um back in black it was actually tnt from acdc sorry Sorry. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah that appeared that appeared in was that three or four it was in i believe it was in four yeah. Okay. Uh, if I can take a sec, I spoke to Scott Pease, another former producer yeah, yeah. of uh, Neversoft. Uh, great guy. It was, it was a wonderful call with him. And he shared with me, um, we got to talking about the title tracks. And of course, that was the title track of, of the game it appeared in. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you can, I don't know if this story yeah, has come up yeah. before, but uh, apparently it was somewhat democratic to choose the title tracks for these um, for these songs. And in fact, fact, fact check me as we're going, uh, Ralph, but he, he said that it came down to a system of a down song or uh, TNT by ACDC and the whole team had voted. And finally some QA uh, testers votes came in and it ended with a uh, system of a down winning. So you were going to go ahead and choose system of a down as the title track for the next Tony Hawk game. And uh, all of a sudden, but Joel Jewett had been sort of pushing for, for TNT being the classic rock guy that he is. And he said, Nope, fuck it. We're doing TNT. <laughs> and overall, the entire team and the first thing was TNT. Yeah, pretty much. That actually uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much sounds right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I recall correctly. I, I think I'm pretty sure that that's that's accurate. Yeah, and that's kind of the way it was uh, with Joel. And and I'm actually glad because I was probably more leaning towards the the ACDC track myself, anyways. <laughs> Although, you know, nice. don't get me wrong. I like, I like some system of the down, but, but uh, yeah, if you're going to be able to get that as your, as your, <laughs> as your lead track, what are you going to do? Yeah. So, yeah. Does that um, jibe with your uh, recollections of spending time with Joel Blake? I was going to say, I I've never interviewed Joel about Tony Hawk's pro skater three, but I think every time I've interviewed him, he's made sure to tell me that exact same story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. I mean, we, we definitely had a committee, but if there's something Joel wanted, you know, Joel was the president. So, <laughs> yeah, he was going right, right. to get it. So, yeah, it's, uh, that sounds about accurate. But, it, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to complain at all again because I much would lean towards that pick too. So Right. I was, I was telling that story to my roommate who was like, well, yeah, it's the right choice. <laughs> like, yeah. it's classic. It's part exactly. of the game. Like, yeah, yeah. 
you can't yeah. imagine it anywhere other way. Um, is there anything else we can play from uh, this first soundtrack before we start talking no. about the second and specific? Yeah, let's, let's move on to the second track, uh, second soundtrack, um, which, you know, I think you can tell, I'm assuming, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ralph, but it, just judging by some of the acts on here, it feels like you had a little bigger budget the second time around. Yeah, yeah. It was the second time around, we, we were definitely living off of the sort of the the... the the success of the first one, we had, we had really, you know, it, the first one I think had gone to number one. And so we, we really had to outdo the the first one. And, and so we started just increasing the amount of money and budget on, on our soundtracks and just kept adding more and more, more and more tracks and bigger tracks from, from bigger bands. But then we also, you know, sprinkled in smaller bands in there as well. Yeah. Let's start out with one I'm assuming was probably, available due to the increased budget and this is just you know this is a classic this is a banger gorilla radio by rage against the machine which at that time were you know probably one of the bigger bands in america and you know this yeah, is this sure. is just a rocking song Was there a moment when helping the team pick these songs and being part of that group, was there a moment that you realized just how impactful these songs had been on the audience, how much it was sticking with them, or was it just eventually it was accepted that Tony Hawk's soundtracks were just awesome? I think it was it was slower. It wasn't like this big, you know, we, we thought, oh, we were making impact on people's lives or, you know, or molding the youth, the music taste of the youth. Um, we were just picking songs that we liked and then things we thought were the most impactful. And when you saw, you know, the intro, the intro movie with this track behind it, it was just, it was just one of those things where like, okay, yeah, this is a no brainer. This is going to be the track. Um, and so the rest of them kind of fell in, but I, there were, I don't think there was any of us on the, you know, quote unquote soundtrack team that thought, Oh yeah, we're we're molding the the you know the youth or any of that stuff. We we're just we we're just putting songs we thought we we really liked and we thought would fit the the music style for the video game. And, and that when and I'm you know first and foremost that when we're playing the game because you know we're we're sitting with the video game for quite a while in development. So when we're playing it and we're, we're countless hours of testing it, it's not dry. That that track is not driving us crazy. <laughs> First and foremost, yeah, I kind of suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I know you, the stuff obviously wasn't intentional, but I think in in reality, it kind of had a cool effect, especially on two. I think it's interesting. I think it's awesome that you have you have you by Bad Religion, um, because you know they're like a super old school band, and 
Then you also have bands like Swinging Utters and like Melancholin mm-hmm. that are kind of like the children of Bad Religion. I mean, Bad mm-hmm. Religion effectively kind of invented that sort yeah. of yeah, for melodic sure. style of punk that especially like Melancholin is absolutely, you know, you, you can hear just the template of Bad Religion. So I think it was kind of cool to sort of, you know, you're kind of bridging like two different generations of punk, you know, like the influencers and then good bands that were like influenced by them at the same time and kind of drawing those parallels I thought was cool. So, I mean, yeah. let's, we, go ahead, go ahead. No, and those two picks specifically that you just said were, were picked by skaters. The U track was, was a suggestion of Tony's and um, the, uh, the Millen contract was Caballero. You know, we were asking, we needed, we were asking pros what, what kind of music they would want because at the end of the video game, they would unlock videos of those skaters. And, you know, behind those videos, there would be a music track. So we would ask them what, you know, what kind of music they would want and if we could get it. And a lot of times, especially if it was punk, we could get it. So we, those those picks, those two specific picks came from from Tony and Caballero. Yeah, cool. Well, let's let's hear some Bad Religion. Then we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit and, and throw it to Melancholy. Yeah, I mean, you can just really hear, I mean, Bad Religion, I think, of maybe all bands, maybe like them, or, and The Descendants, you know, kind of for bands that took it from, you know, we heard Suicidal Tendencies earlier, that kind of like super hardcore, like Black Flag, Suicidal Bad Brains, to like, you know, coming from that era, bands that took it to like, they kind of invented a lot of the template that became sort of the punk, I think, that was popular in the 90s and even into the late 90s, early 2000s, like the, the kind of warp Tour sound, if you want to call it that. I uh, I had never heard Bad Religion until Tony Hawk Games. I think it was specifically Big Bang off the album No Control that this is on as well. Um, and I remember being like really into them as a kid because I realized like they were the first time I thought punk bands could be smart. Like <laughs> like punk. I've always loved punk, but you know it is what it is. But I remember hearing Bad Religion and like somewhat comprehending like oh this band is different like they're really really intelligent and using that intelligence in punk rock was really really fascinating to me i mean greg graffin is like literally a biologist yeah yeah, when he's not in um i guess descendants is like a similar yeah well yeah they were kind of the nerdy like you know go to college punk kind of thing um let's hear melancholy because i mean i think this is cool you know for two bands from kind of you know different eras and and places uh I think they there's you can definitely hear the influence on which in this Millen Count track is I think a really awesome song. 
but yeah, I mean, you could definitely hear, I think, you know, just like the idea of kind of like real melodic singing over kind of like really driving beat, you know, is kind of very something bad religion, I think, was one of the first pioneers of and Millencon, I think, does it really well here as well. Um, I wanted to get a little because you did kind of mention um, that as the series expanded and, and, you know, obviously, you know, Blake could talk about Thug and stuff like that. And those soundtracks are even more expansive. Um, but you started, I think, on two, you know, you start to kind of look at, you know, the part of skate culture that was also like embracing kind of underground hip hop at that time as well. Um, you, was that sort of something that you had discussions about or was it sort of like, I, I guess, was it sort of really making a concerted effort to say like, we, we should try to incorporate things that are a little bit outside of the punk, ska, kind of metal thing <clears throat> and, and, and incorporate that in the games or was it just sort of an evolution? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a little bit of both. It was an evolution. It was sort of we were we we realized that you know we were at NeverSoft. We watched tons of skate videos. Like at lunch, we would I would buy every single skate video that they had, and we'd watch them and we'd listen to what what they were listening to. And you know, then we'd have the Muska would come in and throw down a lot of you know old school <laughs> hip hop, and and so you you got that influence. So it kind of started spreading and and then we had guys on the team uh, Aaron Skillman who was an uh, an artist who was really heavily influenced by that that genre and and he brought a lot of things to the table that we would never have uncovered otherwise so having you know having people on the on the soundtrack team that were heavily into that specific genre you pulled out these kind of these gems um and and you know that was that's kind of how it worked yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously, you know, whoever was, uh, you know, doing it definitely it was really plugged in because um, I wanted to play this next song, which I think is like a super uh, real kind of underground rap classic. Uh, it features, it's high and mighty, but it features most deaf uh, at that time coming off kind of like the Black Star album with Taleb Kweli and um, his debut album, Black on Both Sides, and like really kind of at the peak of his powers and mad skills. But uh, B-Boy Document 99, I think is just like this. I love this track so much. I've always loved this track. So let's let's listen to this. Everything on my side is looking alright It's the high power, original B-boy Traditional raw bass material an individual, true brand Imperium, you're hearing on your stereo Transcribe the live, the most death Initial sit back and listen, you ain't Had no position to deal with my conditional Mentally a physical strength Is indivisible, crows becoming pitiful Space be scientifical, downfall Eventual, I got not feeling you Don't know what your label telling you Or what magic beans they selling you I can't flow, you of a cat who just a modern day sample yeah. Who be bitching out to a and all demand So you could collect your little petty cat's advance Oh, you knock me and sloppy But not me, I'm I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-D It was a jam at the center and the party was shaking And the poppers was popping and the breakers was breaking And it won't be long to everybody know that B-Boys rock document the way I'm the injure, I'm hot to death, I'm foul, plus I'm winning, you think I shot the ref? Rock a vest if you out of tone speaking, cause I'm right there like nightmares, I catch 
MCs while they sleep and I'm back. These rap cats is wild. Got them in the studio popping values. Remastering their album. I'm about to re-up and restructure the case. You stuck. You about to get rearranged and replaced. I got plans for this rap game. Put your head in the toilet and look, son. If you think my shit can change, my shit is out of your range. Rip you out of your frame. Cop your tape and the next day, cop an exchange. If you ain't rocking raw, what you rocking for? Without heat, y'all MCs ain't hot no more. So for you lame cats trying to put your head out, try rocking back and forth. It might be easy to get your shit out. It was a jam at the center and the party was shaking and the pop was good stuff. Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely has got that Tony Hawk feel. <laughs> that's that's a great segue to like, I'm curious, are there any tracks on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 that you think just would not have fit with the vibe of one that like are just great stylistic departures or is everything just a natural progression of like bigger, better, more? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know how much a song like this might have fit into that original soundtrack. Um, you know, it was, it was really heavy on either, you know, punk, ska or thrash. So, you know, it kind of just kept evolving as it went along. Um, but, you know, I say that, but then if this song was in Tony Hawk 1, it would probably have been a classic. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right, right. It's just the power of that, of that yeah, set of yeah. songs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was always hard to tell. I mean, that I can tell you for a fact, Aaron Skillman, who was an artist on the team, brought that to us. He, he was the one that, that brought us all. So any of the hip hop stuff, any of that kind of underground, not really popular hip hop or, or, rap stuff that was all him uh he was a huge fan and he would just bring these tracks to us and we would literally play an mp3 and then play the game and just see if hey did it feel good did it feel on that one for sure i mean you could just kind of see somebody on a skateboard cruising around and doing a bunch of combo tricks and so forth and that doing and yeah. it kind of just fit so it kind of clicked and, it, and it, then it was uh, a matter of the if the cost clicked <laughs> and it did thankfully yeah. I also wanted, there's another song in here that I think kind of typifies sort of what you're talking about is that sort of natural mixing of stuff. And it's really like, I mean, this band in general, like they were into skateboarding, they were thrash, they were also into hip hop, it's Anthrax's version uh, with Public Enemy and Bring the Noise, which is kind of really ground zero, I think, for, you know, before there was new metal and before there was all that kind of rock rap stuff, this was kind of there. Um, but, you know, Anthrax, being, even being from New York, they, I think they were kind of a band that sort of had the Tony Hawk ethos, so to speak. You know what I mean? They were, they seem to be at the intersection of a lot of different like punk, metal, rap, skateboarding culture and stuff. And, and this is just, you know, this is kind of a, uh, I think a classic, you know, beginning of rock and rap starting to, you know, intersect and, you know, hybridize with each other. The brother is man and man at the fact 
is corrupt like a senator So on the road would you treat it like soap on a rope Cause the beats and the lines are so dope Listen for lessons of saying it's our music That the critics are blasting me for They'll never care for the brothers and sisters Why cause the country has a soap for the war We got to get them straight Come, Come on now, they're gonna have to wait Till we, we get it right Radio stations like question their blackness They call us a black But we'll see if they'll play this Blake, did these soundtracks move the needle for you at all on hip-hop and rap as a youngin, or were you already into it? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, not as strongly as, like, punk or metal or hardcore, but Illmatic, which I know isn't on the first two, um, but hearing The World Is Yours from the Illmatic on Tony Hawk's Underground, like, that's one of, that went on to be one of my top ten favorite records of all time. And even hearing, like, weirder, more avant-garde stuff, like Bus Driver with Imaginary Places, like definitely got me because I, when i grew up rap was kind of having a big moment but it was this like i don't i don't i'm definitely not the right person to speak to this but like stuff like nelly who i like just fine but like is a far cry from something like bus driver or del the funky homo sapien like it it kind of clued me into the i don't i, I don't know i, I the more hip-hop side of things as opposed to kind of the poppy stuff that was really popular when I was in like middle school and grade school. Yeah, I mean, they definitely did. I think you guys did a great job of kind of tapping into the underground kind of hip-hop that was going on at that time. Yeah. Um, also, plug, if, you, if you're interested in Illmatic by Nas, there's a great podcast, the first episode of uh, Mintrax. We, we get into that one, so <laughs> people should listen to that. <laughs> um, Ralph, what were some of the things? I know that, you know, obviously you know, uh, like Superman on the first one was a, a big favorite of yours. Were there any ones on, on this soundtrack that you kind of were kind of close to your heart or ones that you kind of advocated for? Yeah. I mean, you played a few of it. You, uh, bad religion, um, gorilla, gorilla radio. How, how could you not like that? Um, the Millen Collin track. I really liked May 16th lag wagon as well. That was one of that's still one of my, one of my favorites. It, it, it definitely hits home as one of those, those Tony Hawk songs for me.
Jason, uh, as you if you've been listening this week, or, or Blake too, jump in. Were there any songs that stuck out to you guys uh, off the, the two soundtrack that um, we haven't got into? I was gonna bring up the two you brought up again. Bring the noise and you by Bad <laughs> You guys, sorry, I'm, a great I'm stepping on your calls here, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think there were only fifteen songs. I mean, you know, like yeah, that's true. <laughs> sure. only fifteen. That's like five more than the original. <laughs> well, you, you know, guys are just it's still a CD. And that's yeah, yeah. Think about it. So it was a CD. It had fifteen songs and a full video game. Yeah. These must be like, they must have been compressed. Uh, like, compressed like the hell. Yeah. 25, <laughs> yeah. 25 bit. Yeah. Bit it was, it was funny. I was, I was talking to Scott Pease and um, I, I was mentioning how I'd read like contemporary reviews of, <clears throat> excuse me, of the first two games. And it was like widespread acclaim for the soundtrack. Like this is going to push video game license, music licensing forward type of stuff. And then there were a few that were like, that was compressed. Like eh, could have been higher quality, and it's like, man, what do you really? want? That's is, yeah, what, exactly. What do you want from this? This this yeah. like Damn. incredible array of music that you've never heard before, for yeah. the most part. Yeah, we, we even yeah. had video walls. There were video walls, if you remember. So you had video and music and the game on yeah. CD. <laughs> That's insane. That is crazy, crazy to think. I'm that sure. Even I'm happened. sure. Just looking back on what you guys pulled off on that hardware, and and that limited amount of storage space must just kind of blow your mind from today's perspective yeah you know that that's mick mick west who is the um the the lead programmer and and also a partner of neversoft he was just kind of the the mind and the brain behind all that stuff and it it was always amazing that i could never imagine how i like how does this fit and uh and mick would just he would get it to happen yeah. yeah, no, I mean, obviously they've, you know, these soundtracks uh, have lived on a lot. And I think, you know, on social media and online, I mean, I think the the excitement about the uh, the re-release of the games uh, coming on the 4th, I think just sort of speaks to the fact of how, I don't know, just how deeply felt the, the love of these games, you know, really is. I think people, a lot of people have a lot of childhood memories and, you know, just great gaming memories wrapped up in these games. And, and the songs definitely... I think really contributed to that and, and kind of pointed the way towards, you know, what I, I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, companies like Rockstar where they were doing again, like really ambitious uh, licensed soundtracks, but kind of also influenced by like authentic culture and things like that. And not just sort of, you know, marketing department stuff. Um, so I don't know, Ralph, uh, we'd, we'd like you to stick around. We got a couple of community questions if you have time. Um, I know yeah, your, sure. your time is kind of limited, um, but we wanted to get to those. And I just, I don't know any, any final thoughts on, on, you know, you've obviously sort of been spending a lot of time making the movie, um, you know, talking to people and reflecting on the, the whole experience. Any kind of final thoughts on that era? You know, I mean, that, that, that whole time making the video game was probably one of the best times of my life. I've, I've made some great friends that are still friends of mine to this day that, you know, Chris Roush was just over at my house just, just a few days ago. So it, it, it's just, it was a great time. It was a great team of, of people to work with. And it just so happened that the the product that we made was something that that people really really enjoyed, which is which is a bonus, you know. <laughs> so it yeah. was. It's always cool to hear people saying how, um, you know, that the video game impacted their their soundtrack or their their music taste and and influence. It, you know, just know it was it was really just a bunch of bunch of guys trying to do trying to share the what they loved and and from from video from the video game experience to the soundtrack and just 
bring that to to the public and and do it as as honest as we could you know and and i think that kind of shows and you know you it you get a feel that the that the soundtracks were from people that that gave it a little bit more thought than hey we have this much money let's just shotgun it and get these tracks it was it was well thought out yeah no and i mean that shows i think you know i think if it wasn't sort of an organic thing it wouldn't have turned out as good as it you know you couldn't engineer or try to have that goal that like wow these soundtracks are going to be talked about you know 20 years later yeah it's like it had to happen the way that it happened i think Mm -hmm. for sure yeah all right jason do we want to throw it over to some community questions I think I do. Uh, Of course, you listener are listening to this episode for free. Uh, This is a standalone podcast, not locked behind any paywalls, but supporters of the MinMax Patreon uh, get a little bit more because they can ask us questions and our guests and suggest songs that we listen to at the very end of every episode. Um, And uh, our first question for today comes from Tim Laro. Uh, We've touched on this a little bit, but maybe there's uh, some more in the tank for uh, how does the licensing for these games work? Uh, Tim says that he imagines it, it's pretty expensive since developers have actually covered songs instead of licensing the music like uh, like in Guitar Hero. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's basically a back and forth with the, um, with the, the bands and the labels. You know, you, we, we, would, we would put our list of, of soundtracks or a list of tracks that we wanted in the soundtrack together and then we would work with um, Activision's music supervisor Tim Riley. He would he would then reach out to the different um, labels that the bands were were listed under, and the, the the management of the band itself. And you basically do a deal, a licensing deal. And the way the deals work is whatever you pay the band, you you end up paying the label as well. So if the label wants five thousand dollars for the track, then you pay the band five thousand as well, and that track is ten thousand dollars and then you do get the lawyers to, to get together and do all the paperwork and and there you go you got you got a track licensed for for the soundtrack wow uh are there any points in that process where like things can go dreadfully wrong like hey it'll be five thousand dollars okay that means it'll be ten thousand dollars and then you get ready and it's like nope actually it's gonna be seventy five hundred are there any of those like hang-ups that happen along the way yeah i mean there can be things you know and then there there were things and and especially if um if you're talking about music from artists that are that are no longer alive, you know, and then you have to work with their estate and then you have to get the okay from the estate and the estate might want to know about the usage, Johnny Cash, for instance, and, and how it's being used and, and, you know, what you're doing with it and, and so forth. So yeah, there's a, a lot of different things that can happen. And, you know, you, you get all those things locked down into a contract. And once the contracts are signed, then everybody's happy and everybody gets paid and the song gets to be put in the video game. Nice. Or, or the film, you know, as we did in our film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, both Adonis Perez and Thomas asked a similar question. Um, it boils down to what songs didn't make the t- cut for the first few uh, THPS soundtracks and why? If you can't remember specifics, maybe just share some general criteria that might result in a track getting left on the cutting room floor instead of making it to the track. Yeah, um, I mean, there there definitely are always tracks that didn't make the previous um, game, and those tracks would those tracks always were the start of the soundtrack for the next game unless it was some kind of, unless there was some reason that was just, there was no way we were going to get over this reason. Like, you know, this track was just way too expensive. We, we couldn't pay for it or so forth. But there were always tracks that, that for timing reasons, for budget reasons, for any variety of reasons that didn't make the soundtrack, um, 
we would start the next next game off with that soundtrack with those tracks in mind and and kind of go from there um but yeah there were always tracks that, that didn't make and there are tracks that we wanted i mean i always i always envisioned sabotage by the beastie boys being a great intro track for a tony hawk video oh, game yeah, and, totally. and i just never was we were never never able to we actually eventually they did get a beastie boys track i think it was in proving grounds i believe they they had a bc boys track but um while i was working on soundtrack it could never it was just it we couldn't get the deals done with with the beasties they weren't really down with licensing music for video games at that time any other ones that you can think of the kind of ones that the team really wanted or were like ones that got away you know not that not offhand i know i know nwa was a track that that we had that took a little bit for us, you know, we wanted it earlier on in the series. Um, and it took a bit, uh, easy, uh, the easy, easy state had quite a number of people attached to it and you have to kind of yeah. go through all <laughs> of those different people. So it, it made it a little bit more difficult, but, um, yeah, nothing else that I can, that, that really sticks out in my head. That was one of those, Oh man, we could have had that one and we didn't get it. Um, not, not really. Sabotage would have been great too, by the way. That, yeah, I, mean, I thought so. Envi- I can envision that, you know. Yeah. Man, what a process that would be too to explain to somebody who maybe potentially doesn't really understand video games in general to say like, well, you're a skateboarder and you listen to music while you're skateboarding and here's the use case for this. Can we use use the song from this estate? I, I, I don't envy you in that process. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, can only imagine the... Yeah, that oh, fell on, thankfully that fell on the hands of, of Activision side. They had to do the deals. They dealt with all of the artists and, and, uh, although we had, sometimes we'd had some r- random punk artists call us, you know, wanting their, <laughs> wanting their, their thousand bucks, but it was, that was always kind of <laughs> classic. It was like, no, 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 you, you have to contact Activision. <laughs> uh, all right. Our next question comes from Bob Buell. Uh, here's a question for everybody, uh, especially Ralph. I feel like you're going to have some pretty good insight. What's a song that you would love right now, listening to currently, modern day, that uh, you that would absolutely never appear on a Tony Hawk soundtrack? Uh, whether that means it's stylistically different from the you know the tone the games were going for, or if it was too explicit, or maybe it would car- cost for too much to get into the game. Uh, he says, "Thanks, love the show, and love Tony Hawk's Pro Skater." I've been listening to some of the, some Billie Eilish stuff lately, and I just don't see how much of that could fit in our video game. It's just a little on the, on the mellow side, maybe bad guy, but, but, you know, it's, it's a little bit on the, on the mellow side. Um, but, you know, really, to be honest, I, I'm at an age where my music taste kind of got settled about 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not listening to too much new stuff. There, there are some new, there are some new things I think would, would definitely fit, but um, you know, some of her stuff, I'm still, I still enjoy her music, but I just don't see how some of those tracks might fit. They're just a little too much on the mellow side. Sure. Matt? Uh, a lot of stuff really. I mean, it's kind of weird since I think Spotify and, and like, I listen to headphones while I work. I think my tastes have gotten like progressively kind of mellower and more instrumental. You know what I mean? Just because it's hard for me to work like listening to like some like a punk rock song. So, I mean, I, I've, I listen to a lot of jazz during the day and I thought, you know, I mean, maybe it would work. I don't know. Maybe hey. some crazy, crazy free jazz song with Tony Hawk, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't really imagine that, but you know, man, uh, Blake, do you have a good ringer for us on this question? Yeah, probably like anything off my woman by Angel Olsen. Great album, but not, <laughs> oh, not <man>. skatable. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, it's a little downbeat. Yeah, just take your pick from that album. 
Nice. Uh, here's a left fielder that's for everybody. It has nothing to do with skating, but I loved it anyway. From White Max, who asks, what would be your entrance theme if you were a wrestler? Uh, I'll start just to get us kicked off. Um, there's a song uh, by Edgar Winter and the Edgar Winter's White Trash Band called Give It Everything You Got. It is the funkiest. Maybe I can pull it up here in a second. It is the funkiest intro to, to like, it gets me pumped every single time. I want to jump up and up and down in the air. Ralph, do you, do you know, have you ever pictured this and, and what it would sound I, like? I have not. I have not. And I, and I was a little stumped, but I'd probably have to go with something like upbeat, like, you know, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor or something, you know, just drift back and into the, into, into like, you know, the Rocky kind of stuff and, and get that to get pumped up a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, otherwise I'd pick some hardcore, you know, something from fear, anything, pick any, any track from fear that you can't play on TV at all anywhere. How about let's, <laughs> let's have a war. That would seem. Like yeah. That was, yeah. That's, that's a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't play that on the radio. Though. No, anywhere. Um, yeah. Uh, my answer: I've always wanted to come out to the song "Eminence Front" by the Who. Ooh, it would one. have to be like a big thing where like they'd have to take like the lights down, and I have to be like a mysterious guy because it's got this kind of like synth <laughs> intro, and then it like kicks in. So it'd have to have a lot of staging. Like it'd have to be sort of like a you know one of those like Undertaker, like Prime Era, like Sting kind of guys, you know. The first band that popped in my head was Code Orange, who actually wrote an entrance song for The Fiend, uh, who's a wrestler for the WWE, <laughs> which I guess maybe it was a subconscious thing. But their song, My World, just opens with like single tom hits and then these just like droning dissonant chords before it like kicks into the song. So that'd be a good moment to like throw my arms up and like yell at the crowd while they're like cheering me on and then, <laughs> like start running down as the song kicks in. There's like a good tempo change right there when everything comes in. Yeah, Blake, Blake is definitely, he's playing this out for sure. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I was the go. last to go. I had plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, to think about yeah. I do, I do just to wrap back around to it. I want to play everybody. Please indulge me. The first eight seconds of "Give It Everything You Got" by Edgar Winter's White Trash. You're Edgar Winter leader. I, I am. I just it, just like 
lights are not down. It's flashing. There's confetti, everything. Just imagine how fucking hype you get listening to this groovy ass shit. Oh, that's kind of good. Yeah, that's great. Whoa. <laughs> it's coming in hot. Coming Damn, in dude. hot. Settle down. It's like- it's like you've made your impression before you've even entered the ring. I love this song so much. And it comes up every single time somebody yeah, brings yeah, up the yeah. question, like, what's your walk-up song? What's your ring song? That's wow. it. I will decimate I, somebody I, You convinced me, man. That's good. That is good. Yeah. Moving on. Um, so there are two different questions of this question, uh, versions of this question. Uh, first is from Tyler Lambert, who asks, is there a current artist you think would fit on the early t- uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater soundtracks? Uh, we'll go in the same order, starting with, with Ralph. Yeah. I, anything from the interrupters. I, I love them. They're, 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 I, I don't know if you consider them a current artist, but yeah, them for sure. Great pick. Matt. Um, I guess I was kind of thinking of, you know, some of the hip hop that was on those soundtracks. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, he's, he's obviously very popular, but I think Kendrick Lamar, I think kind of feels like sort of, the today guy that's kind of carrying on some oh, of yeah. that stuff. And he's also very like LA, very California. So I was thinking about, you know, some like King Kunta or something like that by him, I think would have fit in well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake, I'll let you take this in another direction. Um, what song do you wish, I guess that's released in the last 10 years or so. Do you wish had been on the Tony Hawk's underground soundtrack? Released in the last 10 years. Well, I'm just trying to think of something that wasn't out when Tony Hawk's sure. underground released, you know, something that would not have ever appeared on it for like, logistical reasons probably power anything by power trip hornet's nest their most recent song they're just the most powerful thrash metal band of all time so they would have fit in so well in there but they weren't a band when that game came out so perfect rest in Uh, peace to uh, yeah i was gonna say they announced the vocalist passed away yesterday so they've been on my mind but also like i thought they were gonna be in the remake i thought i just had a hunch they were going to be and was bummed they weren't in it so yeah, and they kind of bring it back to that like '80s thrash, but like kind of updated thing that yeah. would have fit in well for sure. They're they're amazing, so powerful. All right, uh, Disco Flip asks: uh, the Tony Hawk games were obviously known for their great licensed soundtracks, but lots of other sports games also had excellent licensed soundtracks uh, before and later. One that stands out to Disco Flip is that of uh, SSX on tour. Although not the most classic SSX game, on tour had an amazing soundtrack led by Iron Maiden's "Run to the Hills," which plays during the animated intro cutscene. Uh, yeah, I think we can all agree, kind of, kind of a rocket song. Uh, at the and the guitar riff from the main, following main menu music of Louis the Fourteenth's "God Killed the Queen" was forever branded into my brain as an adolescent. So the question here is: Do you have a favorite licensed soundtrack from a non-THPS video game? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it, it's not something from back in the day, but like I played GTA five for like five years straight and the sound, you know, you could, it's hard to call it a soundtrack when there's so many different stations in that game that you can switch from and, and get a feel for different kinds of music. So I've, I enjoyed the hell out of just being able to, to go to the different stations and, and listen to all the different, and, you know, I can't tell you what tracks there were because it seems like there's an infinite amount of tracks in, in that game. But, but yeah, that, that one for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to kind of copy you, but I was, I was thinking of vice city just because at that time it was yeah, so yeah, unprecedented and they did the, you know, they did like a six or seven CD box set on, you know, that was in stores of like all the stuff with like the radio drops and, and uh, that one introduced me. I mean, I'd kind of heard of her, but it has a song. Wow. By Kate Bush on there. 
and I'd never really heard her, and I was really into that song, and then she kind of became uh, a real favorite of mine. So that that I'd, I'd pick that one. But I mean, any of those GTA ones is kind of like hard to argue with. I'm I'm surprised more people don't talk about the Watch Dogs Two soundtrack for how strong that thing was. Oh man, um, it included like included a lot of bands, but being set in the Bay Area, it included a lot of Bay Area bands like Rancid's in there, No Effects, uh, Jawbreaker, one of my favorite bands. Like they show up in there, but also they have like great punk bands like uh, Pup is in there, Anti Flag. I don't they might be Bay Area. I don't remember um all across the board like that soundtrack was really really strong um and i i thought more people would have talked about it and i uh, never hear a shout out uh, i i'm glad you brought that up because pup is generally my go-to like get angry at things music yeah and it and it is what i would be like importing into tony hawks in, in a modern day setting if i could put my own music in it that's what i'd be listening to it's a great yeah great I like think- just riding song I think that was the first place I ever heard Pup actually was uh Reservoirs in that game. Oh nice, nice. Uh I gotta say, like outside of playing Tony Hawk at at church, um, we got sort of I don't want to diss the developers of Dave Mears for Freestyle BMX too, because it was a genuinely fun game. Uh, but we got sort of the left hand version of a Tony Hawk game uh, as kids because it was considered i guess less less provocative but anyway that soundtrack has got rage against the machine black sabbath some 41 tribe called quest uh and specifically Gangstar's moment of truth that song i oh, still yeah, think great. about what are what like it's not as diverse or as like um expansive a soundtrack or like as influential clearly as as tony hawk uh continues to be but that soundtrack maybe it's just because i got more time with dave mira than i did with tony hawk in general uh and again like I felt like I could listen to the music from Dave Mira at home and not have anybody get mad at me and not have my mom take the game from me. <laughs> uh, but I, that's, that's my go-to for licensed soundtracks. Um, honorary mention to uh, true crime, New York city. Cause they had uh, my chemical romance song in there. And I was, and am my chemical romance guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another one for, for me and actually it was, this is probably our, our director Ludwig, his favorite soundtrack is crazy taxi back in the day. It had, it, they were probably the first one to have bad religion. They had bad religion and the offspring. That was pretty much it. That's to- uh, yeah. Just bad. I feel like they only the had a couple songs though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it was just, it was just, I think it was just those two bands too, which mm. was pretty awesome. Yeah. No, crazy wow. taxi was fun. Yeah. Um, all right, that's a pretty general one that we covered before. Uh, okay, let's get to one last fun one. Um, this is for everybody. This is from Holden Hints, who asks, imagine you're a god-tier skateboarder, and you've got one Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 track to use for your skateboard shredding montage. What song would you use to highlight your sick tricks? A song from 1 or 2? Um, or no, yeah. any song, I think. Or or was it 1? Yeah. Did it have to be uh, from the soundtrack? Oh, I'll I'll open it up to make it a little easier, but I, mean, I, did I, I would too. still. I mean, I probably still pick what we picked for the film. What I picked for the film, which is Superman, oh, nice. Goldfinger. Yeah, I'd probably still have to go with that. To me, that just is is the epitome of of the Tony Hawk franchise. You know, you, when I hear just the when I just hear that first drum riff, I'm like, okay, yeah, playing Tony Hawk. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like you're connecting to such a lineage of like skateboarding history. It's like let the ancients flow through me through the music kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it probably yeah. makes you skate better, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I have a 
pick off the soundtrack because I misunderstood the question for the prep, so I apologize. But uh, I thought about it a lot, and I wanted something that was kind of traditional to like 80s kind of skateboarding, early 90s. Um, and I was almost going to go with My War by Black Flag. But ultimately, I think, because I just feel like the flow of this song and the rhythm of it so good is uh, Waiting Room by Fugazi. Um, oh, yeah. Which is just like, it's just that kind of like nod your head kind of beat and then the big, huge chorus. And I could just kind of imagine that being a good soundtrack. Like, I can picture it in my head, like, you know, doing Flatland tricks or stuff like that. Did I give you a bad uh, a bad prompt, Matt? Did I say the THPS 1 and 2? Do I need to roll that back oh, for it, and give him any choice? Uh, I The thing, I'm looking at it now, and it just said, if you were a pro skater, what would you use oh, on your skate tape? I, and it wasn't, like, uh, okay. it wasn't I, uh, specific I've, to that. So. I have to take this back then, Ralph. Irrespective of the THPS games, what uh, what's your what's your highlight song? I think you might be muted or maybe out of touch. Oh, sorry uh, about that. Yeah, touch, sorry right? about that. <laughs> no problem. Um, no, yeah. Given that, then I would probably pick anything from from my favorite band since I was a kid, which is Oingo Boingo, and probably something like I don't know, um, The Outside or or some something you know, hopping maybe even only a lad or something like that. Only nice. a lad. I was hoping you'd say only a lad. That sounds like such a fun, a fun riding song. Yeah, yeah, it kind yeah. of does sound like a good skate song to me. Yeah, shout out to Danny Elfman. He really went, you know, he yeah. turned, he got really respectable after that. Yeah, he kind of blew up, and now you can't, you don't see any like big cool movies without Danny as the uh, as the music supervisor or composer. Yeah, he's. He used to be cool. Then he sold out, you know, (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I bet Uh, bet it beats like, you know, slinging your ass around clubs when you're like 52 or whatever. Yeah. 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 He gets to just buddy up with John Williams and Hans Zimmer now and just sort of coast for the rest of his life. (laughs) Uh, Blake, now that you've got the actual question in hand, I apologize for misleading everybody. Uh, Probably because we mentioned him earlier. DVP by Pup. Uh, that song, super, super high energy, super, super good. Um, I think it would fit great in a skate park. I my answer was going to be my life is over and I couldn't be happier from their there you go. I think second record, which nice. is another mm-hmm. like total ripper. Yeah, uh, well, that's a that, good title. I, believe... I like that song title. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm intrigued by Pup. I like this. I, you know, I I think I tried to get you to listen to them once stealthily by like. You had a new set of headphones at work, and you were like, "Hey, Jason, oh. can you test these and see how it sounds?" And I'm like, "Hey, play this pup song. See how it sounds." Like, do, do you notice oh, this? Man. And it's just like it's loud. Like, yeah, I was like, uh, I can't go back to that phase when I was like buying headphones all the time and trying to perceive like <laughs> slight differences between like all these different headphones and stuff. It's dark I, times. I can't wait for my obsessive. Yeah, for my obsessive phase uh, at my midlife crisis, oh, I'm just man, yeah, buying increasingly great. expensive amplifiers. It's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty fun. Um, and that is uh, either sorry or happy to say, depending on uh, how everybody's time is doing, that that is the end of our current list of community questions. Uh, if I didn't pick yours for this week, uh, fret not. I do go back through the backlog occasionally and pull in uh, questions forward just in case they feel more appropriate or the guest uh, seems more interested in them. So um, if you've left a question for this episode, listener, uh it might appear in a in a future episode. Uh, the next part of this show is me introducing the song that we've chosen uh, to play over our outro, which will be uh, a song suggested by Cade Mead. It is Kick Push by Lupe Fiasco. Incredibly appropriate. 
uh, being about skateboarding. Um, great, so, that's a great song. Great song. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna play. We're gonna play that as we uh, close out. But I'll let Matt yeah. do the uh, do the slacking. Yeah. Well, th- number one, Ralph, thanks so much for your time, and we really appreciate um, you being on the show and talking about the movie. Pretending I'm a Superman. It's on video on demand and thpsfilm.com. Uh, it's it's a great view. I know Blake uh, is going to check it out tonight, and uh, we encourage you to check it out. It's 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 awesome. And also, just to kind of plug those again, because I think if you're interested in the history of Tony Hawk, uh, Blake's two articles, uh, "Busted Teeth and Broken TVs" and uh, "Water Skiing and Running for My Life in Montana," uh, are both awesome articles to kind of you know flesh out some of the history of these games and NeverSoft as a company. Um, so we thank you both. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, sorry, if I can give one more thing here, Blake, you and Leo Vader, min max contributor, Leo Vader also ranked the Tony Hawk games. Are you, did you, uh, what did you settle on as number one? Tony Hawk's underground is God intended my favorite game and the <laughs> single best Tony Hawk game. <laughs> you know what? I fought though? hard. It's like when you ask somebody like what their favorite era of Saturday night live was, you're just like asking them like, when were you like 13? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Leo and I knew that the number one answer was just going to be our favorite Tony Hawk games. And so we challenged each other to a trivia game. And the winner of the trivia game got to have the number one spot. And oh, wow. Or about Tony Hawk's Underground than he did about American <laughs> Wasteland. So. I, like, wow. I like these weird Sounds like a highly scientific great. process. <laughs> yeah, and we put a lot of thought into it. Wonderful. Uh, well, you can, you can check out that whole saga at MinMax uh, and on, on YouTube, I believe. It's already up. Yeah. So yeah. check it out. And, and who made this community pick? This song is suggested by Cade Mead. Again, it is Lupe Fiasco's yeah. Kick, Come Up, Push. Shout out, because this would be a perfect song for a Tony Hawk sound. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning into the Mintrax THBS special, everybody. Uh, let us know what you think of the show on iTunes, Patreon, Discord, Twitter, wherever. And tune in two weeks from now for a new show, new guest, and new music. Bye. And this one right here, I dedicate this one right here to all my homies out there grinding. You know what I'm saying? Legally and illegally. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So, check it out. Uh, first got it when he was six, didn't know any tricks. Matter of fact, first time he got on it, he slipped. Landed on his hip and busted his lip. For a week, he had to talk with a list like this. Now, we can end the story right here. But Shorty didn't quit, it was something in the air. Yeah, he said it was something so appealing. He couldn't fight the feeling, something about it. He knew he couldn't doubt it, couldn't understand it. Branded, since the first kickflip, he landed. Uh, labeled a misfit, a bandit. Cocoon, cocoon, cocoon. His neighbors couldn't stand it, so he was banished to the park. Started in the morning, one stopped after dark. Yeah, when they said it's getting late in here. So I'm sorry, young man, there's no skating here. So we kick, push, kick. Push, kick, push, kick, push, coast And the way he rolled, just a rebel to the world with no place to go And so we kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast So come and skate with me, just a rebel looking for a place to be So let's kick, and push, and coast Got a little older, became a better roller Yeah, no helmet, hell bent on killing himself Is what his mama said, but he was feeling himself Got a little more swag in his style Met his girlfriend, she was clapping in the crowd Love is what, what was happening to him now uh, He said I would marry you, but I'm engaged to these aerials and burials And I don't think this board is strong enough to carry two She said bow, I weigh 
120 pounds Now, let me make one thing clear I don't need to ride yours, I got mine right here So she took him to a spot he didn't know about Some odd in the apartment parking lot She said, I don't normally take dates in here Security came and said, I'm sorry, there's no skating here And so they kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast And the way they roll, just lovers intertwined with no place to go And so they kick, push, kick Come escape with me, just a rebel looking for a place to be. So let's kick, uh, uh, and push, yeah, yeah, and coast, yeah, uh, swank it, yeah, yeah. Before he knew he had a crew, there wasn't no punk, and they spit fire shirts and SB dunks. They would push till they couldn't skate no more. Office building lobbies wasn't safe no more, and it wasn't like they wasn't getting chased no more. Just the freedom was better than breathing, they said. An escape route they used to escape out When things got crazy they needed to break out They head to any place with stairs Any good grinds the world was theirs uh, And they four wheels would take them there Until the cops came and said there's no skating here And so they kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast And the way they roll just rebels without a cause With no place to go And so they kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick so come roll with me, just a rebel, looking for a place to be. So let's kick, uh, uh, and push, yeah.